Good morning. Good to see you today. We're so glad that you're here to worship with us today. My name's Kirk Jones. If I have not had the privilege of meeting you yet, I get to serve here at Fellowship as lead pastor. And we are in a sermon series called God With Us. This is um, the name that um, the angel gave to Joseph as he was speaking to to him about the birth of Jesus, that he would be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. And there's so much packed into that thought that there's this God with us, that God's not just this distant figure, this um, big man in the sky type of uh, thought, but that he is uh, God with us. And what does that mean for us? And how do we live that out? As we're going into Matthew, we're starting to work through the book of Matthew, man. We're just really learning who the King of Kings and Lord of Lords is. Uh, that The book of Matthew is, is really written around the, the idea of helping us understand the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. And here's the thing, if you want to understand God's kingdom, then get to know the King. You need to know Him. You need to understand who He is. And so that's what we're trying to do. And so um, I, I just want us today, though, as we continue in this story, like last week we looked at the lineage of Jesus and man the story that he stepped into that it was broken and messed up and there was all this stuff in the past and yet he came in that's part of his lineage that he came into and then but what I want us to do is as you go through Christmas season this year as you consider the story of Christ like just don't let it just be a story you know just little baby Jesus right like I want you to kind of think about it for a moment like in Put yourself there. Like, like Mary. When, when the angels, hey, I've got a job for you, right? You're going to be the mother of the Son of God. Mm, I don't know about that, right? Like, how does she respond? And Joseph is given this responsibility. And just the things that God does, don't. Don't let the miraculous just become common because you've read it every year of your life, right? Like, there's this beautiful, amazing gift of God and His Son who is God with us. And, you know, because here's what God did. God was doing the unexpected. I mean, that was not what Mary was planning, right? Like, she was planning a wedding, she was betrothed to Joseph. It was very serious. The, the engagement period was a very serious relationship and commitment, not just between two people, but between their families to one another. And now she said, you're going to be with child by the Holy Spirit, right? I wonder, I, I don't know about you, but I think Mary was probably wondering, I wonder if anybody's going to believe me, right? Like, hey, I'm, I'm having God's baby. Sure. Yeah, that's how that happened, Right? And Joseph, I mean, you know, just like, this is not what they were planning. You know, things look different when it's not what you were planning, right? Like, so we have this this webpage where all the photographers, I don't know if you have, you've noticed, but they take pictures and then put a quote with them online. But man, they take some pictures that would, we would never put online, right? They capture you in moments like, right? But they don't keep all those. But I went back through and I just found a few pictures that I was not expecting them to take, all right? So here's a few. Um, here's one. Um, I'm surprised about something. Um, I don't know. Uh, here, um, I don't even know what I'm saying. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I'm, it looks like I'm singing, but you're glad I'm not, right? Um, now, I, I don't remember, oh yeah. Um, I look really angry sometimes, yeah. 
But then I discovered this, how much do I do this? Like, how much, how often, how come nobody has ever told me that I preach like this all the time? Like, how much do I do this? I mean, come on. But it's not just me. I'm not the only one. There's more. This is how you preach good, obviously, right? The prayer hands. And sometimes they catch you in moments where, like, it looks like you're telling uh, about the fish that your fishing partner caught. Like, it was that big. And they're like, no, it was, it was that big. No, no, the one I caught was this big. Right? And then, you know, it was that big. And then you get corrected. No, Kirk, it was this size. Then Brian's like, no, seriously, guys. It was like, it was like that. Joe's arguing with him, right? There's just these things that we do, obviously, over and over again. But here's, here's why do the pictures look that way? Why? Because we're not planning them, right? That's not a pose, right? It's, it, di- pictures look different when you say, one, two, three, cheese, right? When you plan it. But I'm going to tell you something. That's not how life works. That's not, how, that's not how it goes. That's, that's not what we experience. There's just things that happen that you would never plan for, that you could never plan for, that you don't understand why they would ever be a part of the plan. You're gonna go through some hard things. You're gonna go through some good things. You're gonna have some tough times. You're gonna have some victorious times. You're gonna win on some days. You're gonna lose on other days. And that's how life works. And God is with us in the best of it and the worst of it. And that's the promise that we have. So today as we look at Matthew chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 18 where it says this. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. I just want to talk about a few things real quickly that we make sure we don't don't miss in the story like just Mary was was told she was going to be with child by the Holy Spirit and Luke um, we kind of hear Mary's story a little bit more Um, Luke obviously spent some time with Mary and heard her side of things and so um, as it's written as far as she she asked two questions right the first one like you're going to be with child and she's like well how's that going to happen because I know enough about this that that's not how this happens. Like, I'm not, I'm not gonna be with child, right? And, and, and by the Holy Spirit, all right? And, well, no, that's the only question. Then she just says this, let it be to me as you have said. That's it? That's the only questions you have about being the mother of the Son of God? Man, God's been telling some of you in the room to tell one person about who Jesus Christ is for the last 20 years and you still haven't said, let it be, right? Man, just this job and what was put on her. And then I want you to consider Joseph. He was a good dude. I mean, you know, God chose a good man to to be the father of the son of God. He was a good guy. So he just wanted to do a good thing. Like, what do I do in this? Can you imagine? I mean, I imagine he was heartbroken. I would imagine he was angry. You know, I I don't know about you, but I would imagine he did not believe her. 
I'm having a baby and it's God's. No, it's not. Right? He didn't believe her. He was a good man. He, he wanted to do as good as he could by her. So here's a couple thoughts we're going to come back to. Just because it's a good thing, does it always make it a right thing? Let's go on in the story. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. We're going to get back to a couple thoughts in this, but he tells him not to be afraid. It's a common phrase in Scripture. We hear it a lot. Don't, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Be, this is what I've called you to do. You're to name him Jesus, um, which he was giving him that name because if he had just named him himself, he probably wouldn't have chosen that name because it doesn't come from his family. And then, and then he says this, why is he coming? Why is this happening? So that he will save his people from their sins. And I want you to consider this, that, man, as much as God with us is a beautiful thing, uh, God with us is not just simply that God wanted to have some connection with us. It is that God has brought salvation to us. There is a reason for all of this. It goes on, and then it says this. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. He, ob he obeyed. He did exactly what God told him to do. Now, the other thing I want you to understand there is that God did not go about um, bringing his son into the world this way because a prophet had said that that was going to happen. A prophet had said that this was, was what was going to happen because this is what God had already planned that he was going to do. It's the prophet that was told what was coming, not God decided, mm, I guess I better line it up with what the prophet said. Like that's prophecy is God speaking to someone the truth before it is seen. And so, but the purpose of God here is, is, is so much more than just a connection with us. It is the salvation of our soul. So today I just want us to learn some truths from their lives and, and who the Lord is, who the King is. And, and the first one is this. We don't have to know God's plan to trust his purpose. You don't have to know what God is doing to trust him in the midst of what he is doing. That you can, that, that trusting him is, is even when you cannot see what he's doing, why he's doing it, how in the world will we go about it this way, God, I don't, I don't understand. You can always trust his purpose even when you do not know his plan. I mean, I have a question for you. How much information does God owe you anyway? How much does he owe us? I want you to consider some people from Scripture. You know what he told Abraham? Go to a land I will show you. Not go to this place. Like, I wonder when Abraham was leaving, like, hey, God, am I even headed in the right direction? Like, which way do I leave home from? Where is this place? Where are we going? Or when Isaiah was hearing about the need for someone to go and it said, whom shall I send and who will go for me? And Isaiah said, here I am, send me. Man, he, he didn't tell him exactly where that was and what that would mean. Peter and Andrew in their boat fishing. Jesus walks up and says, 
follow me and I will make you fishers of men. It says simply this, that they threw down their nets and followed him. Matthew, the writer of this gospel, who's, by the way, right, his, his invitation to follow comes a little bit later than some of the others, but in Matthew chapter nine, he records his own story. He was a tax collector, not a person that many would have chosen for such a calling. And Jesus literally walks up to him and says two words, follow me. And he left his tax collection booth and he followed him. Do, do you trust him? Do you trust his purposes? Do you trust God? Now, some of you don't under, understand this, but if you've been married long enough or are uh, old enough, um, you know what I'm talking about. Man, sometimes it's, it's hard to trust. Well, I'm going to ask this question. How many of you have ever gotten in an argument about the best way to get somewhere? Anybody ever had this argument? Yeah. The phone is helping, right? I mean, the only thing between me and the phone is I'm trying to beat the time it gave me, right? Like, that's a game everywhere I go. Yep, I can beat that. Let's go, all right? But, you know, there was, there was another day in our life where, like, you had to look at a piece of paper and lines on it and figure out, hey, I believe this is the best way to get there. Like 25 years ago, in just a, a couple of weeks, Wendy and I are gonna celebrate 25 years of marriage. She's put up with me for that long, and yeah, yeah. She deserves all the praise. And so, um, but anyway, so we're excited about that, but man, on our honeymoon, we took off to, to Gatlinburg, and we were getting there late in, in the night, and the, the route I picked from the map went over a completely unnecessary mountain. Like... <laughs> That was not the way to go. Like We traveled, like it got us there, but first we had to go up here so we could come down here to then go back over there. Right, it was not the best way to get there, but she had to trust me, eventually we were gonna get there, right? Um, you know, sometimes you can't see what God's doing. But do you trust the God that's doing it? Do you trust the do you trust him? Trust is not an issue of information. It's an issue of submission. The other thing we have to understand is obedience is simple even when it's difficult. Yes is yes and no is no. When the Lord says go, go. When the Lord says don't, don't. Scripture defines it this way, talking about, about sin in James four seventeen, it says this, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. It's pretty simple. Now, just because something is simple doesn't make it easy. There could be some things in your life that are very simple, like I know what I'm supposed to do, but it doesn't make it an easy thing to do. So uh, I brought something here to help illustrate this and also to kind of make myself feel better about last week. So at the last minute last week, I got asked to be a juggler for Jingle Jam. And then they gave me these ornaments that weighed nothing. And so really what I was, was I was a ball dropper for Jingle Jam. Like I just walked in, dropping it over and over. And they literally had somebody follow me with a basket of other ornaments to hand them to me. And so, but here's the thing, is juggling is in and of itself fairly simple. It's just the catching and tossing of a ball, right? Like that's all it is. All right, that's all you got to do, right? Now, here's the thing. It doesn't make it easy. And it's most certainly not easy when it's not weighted the right way, when you're walking, right? Now, I'm going to tell you something in life. There's going to be some things that God's going to call you to do 
that are not easy. If everything you think God is calling you to do is always easy, you're not listening. He's going to call you to do some things that are hard. But the answer is simple. It's yes. It's your Lord. My life is yours. Now, that doesn't make it always an easy thing for us to do. God has not promised us easy, but he has promised us his strength. The, the third thing right here is, is doing right is more than just doing good. Joseph was going to do a good thing. I'm going to let her go. Do you, do you realize what he's doing here? I'm going to let her go. There's obviously someone else. I'm not going to put her to the public shame that she would experience if I fought for my cause and if I stood up for myself and if I got what was due to me, if I made the issue of it. I'm just going to, I'm going to divorce her quietly and I'm going to let her go. I'm going to do the good thing but it didn't make it the right thing. There was something else that God wanted from him. Now God spoke to him. God showed him the way that, that he would be obedient to him. Righteousness is more than just not doing bad things. I think there's way too many people who, who say that they're followers of Christ and all of their Christianity is simply summed up by, well, I don't do that and I don't do this. Like, but what are you doing? Who are you being? How are you obeying? What are you doing to follow him? How is this world going to be different by the power and message and mission of Christ this week because you're still in it? God has a mission for you. He has called us to go and make disciples of all nations, to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And some of you are going, but I don't know where that is. Well, if it's within the ends of the earth, the answer is yes. Right, that we just have to be willing to accept the reality that obedience is what faith looks like. That if I trust God, then I do what he says, and I don't do what he says not to do. I trust him. Now, one of the things that we see here too, that just kind of gets to the reality that we all struggle with, is Joseph is told, do not be afraid. In other he starts with do not be afraid and then he tells him what he wants him to do do not be afraid to do the things that I'm telling you to do don't don't be don't be fearful this this phrasing is found often in scripture um, actually as I was kind of researching that um, there's some that would claim it's found 365 times when I saw that at first I was like man that is super convenient that is one per day of the year and then I realized that it's not the exact phrase that's being used 365 times, but fear and facing fear is spoken of a lot. There are, over, there, there are around 100 times in Scripture, though, that this phrase, do not be afraid, is, is found in Scripture. That we would, that we would not fear. And here's the, the reality that we have to understand is faith is a fight. Faith requires facing fear. If you're going to live by faith, you're going to face some fear. Like, if you're going to confess unto the Lord all of your sin, I mean, you're going to have to get over the fear of being honest about what you've done and who you've been. If you're going to serve the Lord, you're going to be, you're going to have to have faith to do some things that you don't know how to do. To, to accomplish some things that you don't even know how they're going to get done. 
But faith is this, is this fight. There's a lot of verses related to this, and I just want to go through some that you would hear it. Actually, in Luke 2, as the angels come to the shepherds in the field, it says to them, they say, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Moses is told this in Exodus, Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. In Isaiah 41.10, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. John 14.27, Jesus says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. In Deuteronomy 31.6, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. In Isaiah 41, 13, For I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, Do not fear, I will help you. Haggai 2.5, This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. Luke 12, 7, Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Do not be afraid. But man, if we're going to live a life by faith, then we're going to fight for it. And we're going to face the fears. I want you to consider Joseph and Mary and all the fears that they had to overcome to be faithful, to be who God had called them to be and to do what God had called them to do. That we would have this type of faith in our life. See, because do not fear is a command because faith is a decision. It's a decision you have to make for yourself. It is not a decision that will be made for you. Faith, by definition, is an act of one's own will. It is the decision to believe when you don't feel like believing. It is the decision to still trust God when in the moment you don't feel like you have any reason to trust God. It is to hold on to that hope that you have when you no longer feel like you have any hope. That's what faith is. It's trusting Him. It's facing those moments and those, those issues. It's fighting for faith in the, the midst of the worst, not just in response to the best. It's defined in this way in Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Faith is being sure of what you're still hoping for. And faith is being convinced of truth about, one, about that which one has not beheld, but one believes. You haven't beheld it. You haven't seen it, but you believe it. And this is what faith is. Are you gonna trust the Lord with your life? Because there's another thing that we need to understand here. It says this about Jesus. It says this, that he came to save his people from their sins. And there's something about salvation that you need to understand today. If you're gonna experience salvation in Jesus Christ, which we're saved by grace through faith, and it's not of ourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast, that he has given us this gift of grace, and we experience because we make the decision of faith, and we trust in him. But I want you to understand this about salvation. Salvation is not about our situation. It is about our soul. 
And so many people have struggled to see the salvation of God because what they wanted God to do was to change their circumstance, to change their situation, but to not change them. And God is the Savior of souls. I'm going to tell you this. Somebody today might confess Jesus Christ as Lord and he will save their soul and he will give them an eternity and there is nothing, neither death nor life nor powers nor principalities that can ever remove him from their hands but they might have to walk out the circumstances they're already living in. But they won't be alone. They can fear not for our God is with them. He will never leave them nor forsake them. That's our hope. He's the savior of souls. Some of you have never really come to a place of faith because all you've ever asked God to do was make your life better. And you're dead in your transgressions. But he has made us alive together in Christ Jesus. If you would put your faith and trust in him. He's the savior of souls that we would trust in him like here's what's interesting as we read the story like how were they all missing who Jesus was why why didn't they see that he was the fulfillment of all these promises man I I want you to understand something that had been going on with God's people that often we leave out of the story there's 600 years from the end of the Old Testament to the beginning of the New Testament that were just dark Some of you have been through some dark days and some dark years. As a people, they had been through 600 years of darkness. 600 years of silence. There hadn't been a prophet. There weren't promises being fulfilled. They had quit looking. They had grown weary and trying to believe. Not all of them. I mean, there's a few. We, we see Hannah when Jesus is brought to the temple. We see, uh, there's another man. There's a, I don't remember his name. But anyway, he's there. And he says, my eyes have seen the salvation of the Lord, right? These wonder, they had held out. But overall, the people had given up. Maybe that's where you are today. You've given up. God's not done. Into this darkness came a great light. This hope for all the savior of the world. So I have a question for you today. Are you you giving to God your situation or are you giving your soul? Are you giving him permission to change a thing in your life or to change everything in your life? Because that's what lordship means. Do we really trust him? See, the power of God with us is God as us and God for us. God as us. He, Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the maker of the heavens and the earth, the one who is powerful enough to speak and the sun exists and the universe comes into existence, allowed himself to be a baby who needed his mother so that he wouldn't starve, who needed help learning how to walk, who needed help learning how to talk, who had to face all the trials and troubles of teenage years this is God as us I want you to understand he faced every temptation yet he was without sin he knew weakness and exhaustion another man had to carry his cross to the top of the hill he knew hunger he sat at a well one day so hungry he told his disciples to go on and then bring the food back but then he started talking to a Samaritan woman and told 
her the hope that he was and he no longer needed food because his came from above. He knew uh, the need to get away from people. He got on a boat sometimes and said, hey, or he didn't get on the boat sometimes. He said, hey, I'm going to go away. He knew aggravation. You ever read the story about the time he showed up at the temple and they were selling stuff in it? The, the day he had to deal with the disciples, like, hey, which one of us can sit at your right hand and your left hand? Who are you to ask? He knew betrayal. He understands the emotions of loss and grief. He wept at the loss of his friend Lazarus. He's walked through confusion about his calling. He told his mother one day, Mom, it's, my time has not yet come. Like Jesus faced what we face. He came as us. But he didn't just come as us. He came for us. He's God with us. He's God among us. He's God in the flesh. The Word was with God and the Word was God. But the Word became flesh and he dwelt among us. I want you to understand some things that Jesus had to say about himself, that he came for us. In John 12, 46, Jesus says, I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in the darkness. Jesus said to himself, you say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born. And for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Jesus said to himself in Mark 10, 45, or even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for the multitudes. Matthew 5, 17, he said, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or prophets. I have come not to abolish them. I have come to fulfill them. Mark 2, 17, and when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinner to repentance. Luke 19, 9 and 10, he said this, today salvation has come to this house since he also is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save what was lost. And you were lost, and I was lost, and he came looking for us. And he came and found us. In our darkest and worst moments of our life, God demonstrated his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's the power of God with us. That is our hope. Don't, don't let it just be a story. It's salvation. It's our hope and there is none other. Paul wraps it up, sums it up this way in 1 Timothy 1.15. He says, this saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of who I am the worst. Have you come to that place? Where you quit trying to decide how good you were based on how bad someone else was? And just said, Lord, I, I'm a sinner. And I'm in desperate need of a Savior. And I believe that that is who you are. It's not just something you've done, it is who you are. You confessed Him as both Savior and Lord of your life. Put your faith not just for your situation, but for your soul and for your life. See, salvation is by grace, but it comes through faith. Have you made the decision to believe? Do you believe enough to obey? Do you believe Him enough to follow Him? Do you believe Him enough to trust Him? Not just do you believe. The question is, are you believing? Whatever it is that you're going through right now, are you believing? 
Not asking you just did you believe that one day when you said that prayer and you asked Jesus to be your savior. Do you believe him this day like you did that day? Where are you? Some of you in this place need to come to the place where you just say, I need a savior. I'm a sinner and I confess it. Some of you, you're going through some hard things. You say, you know what? I don't know where it was, but somewhere along the way, I quit trusting. I just, I need to get back. You know, I, I want you to hear this today. He's still looking for you too. He's still calling you back to himself. So right now, I'm gonna ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. And if you're here today and you would say, I've never come to that place where I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ as my Savior and Lord. I don't, maybe you're like, I'm not sure I know exactly what you're talking about. We'd love to talk with you today. We'd love to have a conversation with you about what it means to know Jesus and trust him. But if you're in this place today and you say, I'm ready to trust him with my soul. And then today, right now where you're seated, I just want you to say this to God. Say, dear Lord, I know that I'm a sinner and I know that you are the Savior and I believe in you and I trust you and I confess my wrong to you all of it I give you all of my life from this day forward I will follow you I believe that you are both Savior and Lord that you are the Son of God I confess that and I'm not just going to say it to you I'm going to say it to others I trust you with my life. Thank you for saving me. In the name of Jesus, amen. Some of you just said that, hey, we're about to sing a song while we're singing. Some leaders in the church, myself, are going to be up here. We'd love to talk to you. You know, I believe there's also some people in the room who've known Jesus. Maybe some of you have known Jesus for years, decades. And if you were to be honest about it today, you'd say, you know what? I don't know where or why, but I've quit trusting in this. I've quit obeying. And you just need somebody to pray with you today. Man, we'd love to have that honor and privilege. Actually, I want to pray for you right now before we sing. So y'all stand with me now, and I'm going to pray over you as you stand. Father God, I pray right now. Lord, I believe that there's some children of God in this room today, sons and daughters of the Most High, who've lost their way in, in some way. I mean, they're still here, but they quit trusting you. The darkness somehow just overwhelmed them and they they lost sight of the light. Lord God, I pray in this moment you would reveal yourself to them. You would show yourself to them. That you would restore them in a fresh and new way today. Father God, I pray that you would grow them in their faith and in their trust. Lord, I pray that today they would make the decision that they would trust you with whatever it is. We ask all these things in the precious, powerful name of Jesus. Amen.